Ignition running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome, it is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. And I guess we need to talk about Jeffrey Epstein and his death to get going. Um, So let me just, just give you some parameters. I do not buy conspiracy theories into Epstein's. I got to tell you, they are really funny though. Um, they, they, listen, I realize if you are not a long time, um, researcher participant in what have you in conservative politics, uh, you, you have no idea about the long-term conspiracy theories from a bunch of people that the Clintons kill all their enemies. I grew up in that world, so to speak in politics. Uh, I have never thought it was true, but I have found actually that some of the memes and jokes that come out of it are actually really, really funny. <laughs> I know, I know, don't shoot me. Um, I just, I, I think when you hear people talk about this stuff and you understand that there are a lot of people who really do believe it, which is crazy, um, some of the, the, the memes and stuff that get generated are really, really funny. Um, I mean, they are. Listen, somebody photoshopped Hillary Clinton, and, and this is actually where I want to go with this, by the way. Someone photoshopped a, a tweet of Hillary Clinton saying that she was outraged by the suicide of Jeffrey Epstein and that it was allowed to happen um, and that she hopes his victims can find uh, peace. And the timestamp was the day before he committed suicide and people just lost it over that. And of course, the media is is attacking conservatives for this. Of course, the media is attacking Donald Trump for for retreating, retweeting some of the conspiracy theories. And, and that actually gets to the point of what I want to talk about here is uh, how people are reacting to this and the rise of conspiracy theories. We are at a point in this country where institutional trust is at an all-time low. Institutional trust of government, institutional trust of law enforcement, and institutional trust of the media. And where we arrive at in this country with a loss of institutional trust among these groups is that people would rather believe the conspiracy because they don't believe the government or the media is going to be honest with us. And that's actually a dangerous place for us to go as a society. You know, interestingly, one of the few institutions of government that maintains majority trust in this country the military, the military. Yeah. Uh, the military maintains some level of institutional trust. And I, I do think, uh, frankly, I, I have said on this radio program that if the, um, if the media continued down the coup road and, and the, um, going after the president demanding the, the 25th amendment option and whatnot, you were going to start seeing the left attack the military for not taking out the president in some degree. Uh, thankfully, we never got there, but it just looked like we were on the verge of that madness. But it, we we are we're at a place where members of the media are attacking the president for suggesting or joking about the Clinton. And by the way, I, I'm actually in the camp that the president's joking about this. That he's, I mean, the president, if anything, is the internet comment section at large, and he, the internet comment section's all a buzz about this, telling jokes about this. So naturally. The president is as well, and 
I don't think he's serious about it. I don't think he means it. But of course, the media is blowing it up because he's the president. I, honestly, I don't know that the president should peddle conspiracy theories. In fact, I'm sure he shouldn't. But nonetheless, the president has this regular Joe streak about him, and he does. And the media is absolutely outraged by it. But, 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 but what they're missing is, you know, Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris are both out there uh, saying that Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, was killed by police officers. And the media is giving them a pass on that. Never mind that both the Obama administration and local law enforcement concluded that Michael Brown was not murdered, that it was in self-defense by the police officer because Michael Brown was charging the police officer. As the police officer said, there are a lot of people out there who still believe that he was executed by the police unfairly. There are a lot of people out there who still believe that he actually did say hands up, don't shoot, which wasn't true. And the media is allowing Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren to peddle these lies, pointing at Donald Trump, saying you're, you're inciting people to violence. Look at the New York Times today, which has a big story that the shooter in El Paso talked about an invasion. The president's talked about an invasion. Rush Limbaugh's talked about an invasion. Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, Fox News have all talked about invasion. Therefore, they must have inspired the shooter to do the shooting. Never mind that the dictionary defines an invasion in the same way the president and conservatives have talked about it. And ignore the fact that this guy also had left-wing Malthusian population and, and climate change concerns. Now, what does all of that have to do with Epstein? It's simply this. Nobody trusts institutions anymore. And the media, instead of trying to overcome their distrust, have become partisan hacks as well. Now, let me let me show you an example of what I'm talking about. This is Joy Reid. We selectively, I, I won't, no, I don't want to use selectively because somebody will hear conspiracy. No, no, we, we left off her conversation about the conspiracy President Trump was peddling about the Clintons because I don't think the president was being serious. I think he was joking. But you can hear her lamenting the president of the United States circulating, retweeting that conspiracy about uh, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. And then listen to what Joy Reid herself says. Just did that, who just advanced an insane conspiracy theory against the former president, okay? So meanwhile... So the president of the United States, Donald Trump, in, uh, just advanced an insane conspiracy theory against the former president of the United States. That's Joy Reid. The investigation of Epstein's death now falls into the hands of William Barr. The investigation goes to William Barr, the attorney general. Donald Trump's consigliere and oh. attorney general, who refused to recuse himself oh. on the Epstein case, despite his association with a law firm once involved with Epstein. Uh, by the way, it's worth noting that Barr himself had absolutely nothing to do with Epstein. Whose father once hired Jeffrey Epstein as a teacher with neither experience nor degree. And whose prime directive is to protect Donald Trump. No matter. She says that it's not true. In other words, we may never get the answers to how Jeffrey Epstein was allowed to die and deprive all those victims of their opportunity for justice. Notice her word choice there. We'll never get answers because William Barr's in charge, suggesting her own conspiracy and that he was allowed to die. Allowed to die which suggests there was an active participant beyond Jeffrey Epstein. So in other words, you have an anchor on MSNBC who has her own TV show blasting Donald Trump for advancing a conspiracy theory and then suggesting her own conspiracy theory against Donald Trump. That's where we are with the media. They could have handled this in a different way. And I want to, so here's the way the media should have covered this, not the conspiracy theories and whatnot, 
But noting the sensationalism of the situation, Jeffrey Epstein was tied to a bunch of millionaires and billionaires. He was tied to the British royal family, tied to the current president, tied to the former president, tied to the rich and famous, tied to Wall Street financiers, and allegedly was himself a brilliant investor. And yet no one has ever been able to find anyone who knew anything about Jeffrey Epstein's investments. What makes this story so interesting are not the conspiracy theories, but that he was tied to so many rich and powerful people. And that raises questions about those rich and powerful people. Now that plays obviously into the conspiracy theory. And did these rich and powerful people kill him to prevent him from saying anything? And by the way, let me just address this real quick. I, again, I don't think there was a conspiracy. I do not think he was murdered. He tried to commit suicide. It was his own lawyers asked that he be taken off the suicide watch list. He was taken off the suicide watch list. There were no camera malfunctions. There just were no cameras in that area. And he was able to do it. And plenty of people have come out today and said it's actually not that difficult for someone who wants to do it in prison to commit suicide. That is an unfortunate thing, but it's true. He was not on the suicide watch list, though. And there were no malfunctioning cameras. I've seen people circulate that. That's not true. And he tried to commit suicide previously. We know this is something he already tried to do. Now, I do think, let me say this, I do think that Epstein had clear enough head, even though he's a sociopath, to understand that if he got into general population, it would be very bad for him. There are still many people in prison who maintain codes of ethics. You, you are a sex trafficker of underage girls. You're probably going to die in prison. That's a reality. I'm not making light of it. That's just a reality. Uh, prisoners still have codes of ethics. That's one of the things they don't like. You're in really big trouble. Now, here's another one. Um, the other situation with Epstein is if he got into general population, there are hits all the time in prison, particularly New York City, pretty notorious for this. If people, if he got into general population and someone was afraid that Epstein was going to spill the beans, yeah, it's not a conspiracy. It's just, it's like a mob hit on Epstein. That totally could have happened. So I think Epstein had plenty of reasons. He wanted to take his own life. He wanted to, to get out of this. The house of cards had fallen on top of him. He was trying to extricate himself from the rubble. He has now been exposed as courts are releasing documents about him. It makes sense to me. That is exactly what Epstein would do. This is a man without an inner moral core. He is a sociopath, and that's what he did. There is no conspiracy there. I realize people like to believe the conspiracy, but here's the thing. We're dealing with government incompetence. Never, ever confuse government incompetence for a conspiracy. It often looks like a conspiracy, but to the extent it is, it's a conspiracy of dunces. This is a government incompetence. Uh, this federal prison... Uh, was understaffed, overworked. They didn't have the necessary tools. He had been taken off suicide watch. He did not commit suicide. There is so much gossip within the story, though. It really makes people fascinated by it. And that's one of the things that we should address. And why it's so interesting and so fascinating to so many people. Well, I like watching a train wreck, I guess. Okay, let's talk about blinds for just a minute. I'm actually excited to have blinds.com be an advertiser because I've actually been thinking of using them for a while. The reason is because my wife and I, we've got some uh, blinds in our house that are shutters, actually. And I don't know if they warped or what, but they don't even close anymore. Blinds.com makes it easy to replace them. Got 15 million windows covered and over 30,000 five-star customer reviews. It's America's number one online retailer for affordable, quality, custom window coverage. Now, 
What do I mean by that? Well, let me explain to you what happens. They make the whole experience fast and easy, and every order gets free samples, free shipping, and a free online design consultation. So you send them pictures of your house. They send you back custom recommendations from a professional on what's going to work with your color scheme, your furniture, your specific room. They'll send you free samples to make sure everything looks as good in person. If you've got existing blinds like we do, you take a picture of them, you send them to them, and they can match them up. If you accidentally mismeasured, you picked the wrong color, well, if you make a mistake, blinds.com is going to remake your blinds for free as well. So this is a great way to upgrade your house. For a limited time, my listeners get $20 off at blinds.com. If you use promo code ERIC, that's blinds.com, promo code ERIC for $20 off. You get faux wood blinds, cellular shades, roller shades, a whole lot more. We were able to replace some that whoever built this house put in. And they buckle, they warped. I don't even know where they came from, but Blinds.com was able to get us things that look just like everywhere else in the house. They did a great job. You go to Blinds.com, use promo code ERIC. Rules and restrictions apply. Can I just... Uh, welcome back, by the way. I, I just... Uh, there's a, a silly story out there today uh, involving a friend of mine, Brant Frost. He's on the executive committee for the state GOP. He was caught uh, saying essentially the Democrats have a procreation problem. They're, they're pro-abortion. They're declining in birth. It's Christian families who are still um, procreating. And, and of course, the Democrats are saying that that this is just proof. This is just proof that the GOP is only interested in women as, as baby incubators, which is so ridiculous. Uh, you know, he's actually right. Um Listen, I don't want to give this this story more attention than it's due, but but it's very clear the Democrats are trying to use Brandt to attack the GOP uh, and turn what is a molehill into a mountain, but it's actually true uh, what he's saying. You know, demographically in this country, it is Christian and and Hispanic um, voters, I shouldn't say voters, but, but the Hispanic demographic and Christians in this country, evangelical Christians at that, are the last two groups of people in this country who are still exceeding uh, replacement rate of population. Eventually in this country, we will all be Hispanic-speaking, country-music-listening Republicans uh, who, who go to church regularly. So you, you do need to understand that. He, he's not wrong in what he's saying. Uh, it's just it is a factual statement. And, of course, Democrats are emotional now. They can't handle facts. Uh, but it, it, particularly the, the more progressive you go, the less likely you are to have children. There is now a progressive message out there that you shouldn't have kids because it's bad for the environment and on and on it goes. And it, then you have the, the rise of, of gay marriage and the decline of the traditional family. If you are a regular church going person, you tend to defy those demographics. If you are Hispanic, you tend to be socially conservative, either Catholic or Protestant. Either way, you tend to have large families. Catholic uh, families tend to still be large, practicing Catholic families. I got a buddy of mine. Gosh, I think they're on eight or nine now. Um, and I, we go to church with people who have five and six kids. It, it is it is a conservative Christian thing. It is a Hispanic Christian demographic thing. And again, our nation has fallen below reproduction rates, which means that uh, we were more and more dependent on immigrants coming into this country to do jobs that there are not enough native-born Americans to do at this point. And uh, the only people who are keeping above replacement rate are Hispanic conservatives and, and white evangelical Christians. It's just a statement of fact. 
it, it does not mean that Republicans just want women to be baby breeders or baby incubators, as the Democrats are attacking Brand for saying. They may be very sensitive to the subject, but it is the logical outcome of an of an ideology that tells you put off having kids until it's too late for you to actually have any, and also kids are bad for the environment. He's not wrong in what he's saying, even if the Democrats want to scream about it. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, this, the conspiracy theory mongering from the people in the media over Epstein, it doesn't surprise me, but it really actually, I don't know, it, it frustrates me to see members of the media pushing conspiracies related to Donald Trump and then outrage when Donald Trump pushes back. And this goes so much to the institutional lack of trust in this country anymore. I mean, but you know, I I do want to address because I got an email from someone who was really upset with me for thinking the Clintons had nothing to do with this. They're actually, believe it or not, apparently there are people who believe that the Clintons uh, ruthlessly annihilate their critics. Mm, I'm not in that camp, just so you know, not in that camp. But... What they say is that this happens. I would just like to point out that Bill and Hillary Clinton couldn't keep a server secure in their basement and they couldn't win Wisconsin. I have a hard time believing people that incompetent are competent enough to routinely murder their opponents over a 20, 30 year period and all the other stuff the Clintons are accused of doing. Uh, Again, I will never forget several years ago, I had the honor of uh, hanging out with Donald Rumsfeld and he had, he had retired from the Bush administration. This was before Obama had become president. Uh, It was still the Bush administration. I went up to DC we were, there was a museum exhibit. He had had shoulder surgery, and I basically I got to carry his bag for him. A friend of mine worked with him. Uh, his normal assistant, Keith, uh, who is now my book publicist, by the way, Small World, uh, was not there. So I got to carry Donald Rumsfeld's briefcase as we walked around a museum and him pointing out pictures of people that he had worked with. I and mean, he's worked with everyone going back to the 50s. Rumsfeld knows everybody. It's just it was it was amazing. The institutional knowledge that guy has. Um, but we got to uh, Earl Warren. Or Earl Warren, of course, the Chief Justice who also presided over the Warren Commission, and he starts talking about the Warren Commission, or maybe it was, I can't remember, somebody, maybe Warren or somebody, anyway, somebody who was connected to the Warren Commission. And Rumsfeld says he he had long thought that maybe there were conspiracies in government until he worked on the Warren Commission, and he sees everyone peddling conspiracies, and he says it, it actually was incompetence that got Kennedy killed. There were a series of unfortunate events that led to Kennedy getting killed. There was no other shooter, grassy knoll, all of that stuff. And he turned to me and he said, so many people believe in government conspiracies and they sleep far better at night believing in the conspiracy than they would if they knew it was actually rank incompetence. And I think he's right. You sleep well at night knowing that there are good men out there killing the bad men while you sleep. And you sleep well at night, knowing you, whether you want to admit it or not, you have a Machiavellian government pulling the strings of power behind the scenes to your advantage, although occasionally you think working against you. And the reality is that you would not sleep well at night 
if you realized how incompetent the government was. And there is a story that the media could tell. But the media would rather talk about the conspiracy. This is ratings gold for the media. I, I would prefer not to talk about the story at this point, but I feel like I got an obligation to my station too to talk about the story, although I don't want to talk about it in the conspiracy theory mongering story. And I really want to take your calls peddling your conspiracy theories because I don't buy the conspiracy theories. I, I think the government's incompetent. I think that's what happened. I, I think if a man wants to kill himself, he's going to find a way to kill himself. And Jeffrey Epstein really wanted to kill himself. And so he did. And the government was too incompetent to stop it. And there should be an investigation and we could find, we should find out about those incompetencies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But never, ever confuse conspiracy and incompetence. So many people attribute to conspiracy what actually is incompetence. Um, I, I think that's all I need to say about that. I got plenty of other stuff I want to talk about today. You know what? I lied. L let me say one more thing on this subject. Um, I believe there is a hell. I'm, I, I, this is not my, my theology show here. You don't need to give me your theology hot takes here. I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you what I'm thinking. There are a lot of people upset that Jeffrey Epstein's victims will have no justice. They will have justice. They just won't see it. Jeffrey Epstein can escape the justice of this world. He will not escape the justice of the next world. He has come face to face with his Maker, and God help him. I mean, y'all, the doctrine of hell, I think, should give you comfort because there are bad people on the planet, and many of those bad people get away with horrible things. Stalin. Stalin got away with awful, terrible things, and he he died. He came to the end of his life, and he died, and Stalin got away with it. Where's justice for his victims? Well, there is no justice on this planet for Joseph Stalin. There is no justice on this planet for Jeffrey Epstein. There is no justice on this planet for all sorts of really bad people who do really bad things. Various categories and scales of monsterdom. And they get away with it. Except they don't get away with it. Because there will be justice. There will be eternal justice. There, there will be a hell. And if they do not repent um, prior to their death, uh, that's what they will get for an eternity. Uh, I have referenced so often Psalm 73 here on this program, but um, the wicked stand on in, in slippery places and God can get rid of them, the bat of an eyelash, and off they go to terrible places for eternity. Uh, this is the best they will ever have it. Uh, it is an act of mercy on God's part that so many horrible, awful, terrible, monstrous people have it so well on this planet. Um, it is an act of mercy because that's the best they will ever have for eternity. And I think we can put Epstein in that. I su suspect we can put Epstein in that category. Um, and, and I'm fairly confident in saying that he will not escape justice. And so for those of you who are upset, as many politicians and, and members of the media have said, there's an outrage in that regard. Well, you know what? He has justice uh, in his lifetime. There is now justice, well, in his, in his eternal lifetime, there is justice for Jeffrey Epstein. He will not escape it. Now, now I can move on. I will tell you, uh, launched the new radio show this morning out of Athens. Uh, the 9 to 10 o'clock, we actually had a hiccup. Uh, so there were a couple stations. Athens is carrying 10 to noon. 
A, a few other stations were going to carry 9 to 10 this morning, but there's a, I don't understand how satellites work, but apparently uh, satellites, some of the radio satellites have multiple channels by which they send information and uh, people had it on the wrong channel. So I did a 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock hour this morning and no one actually heard it unless they were on Facebook Live. We are trying to do Facebook Live. Um, which, I mean, if you think about it, you, you do have to laugh a little bit. I, I did find it very funny uh, that I did a whole hour of radio and had no calls and nobody watching. And you know what? I was totally fine with that. It, it was a surreal experience this morning. It, it really was a surreal experience to launch my own show. Instead of being the host of Atlanta's Evening News, I get to host the Eric Erickson Show and talk about things and actually have extended breaks and, and no offense to Doug cause I love him, but, uh, didn't have to stop and toss to Doug. It, it, it felt like cheating on y'all to some degree. In fact, in fact, the pig farmer texted me earlier and said it kind of felt like I was cheating on him. Even if it wasn't, I, I know exactly what he means. It, it totally, um, totally, totally, totally felt like I was cheating on him, uh, cheating on y'all having this other show, but man, it was just neat. You know, we've, we've done all the work to do it. Um, we're basically, we're being our own affiliate relations and we're, we're distributing ourselves. I'm paying out of my pocket, the, the satellite fees, uh, all the production fees. It's just, and it's great. Uh, Athens WGAU is our flagship station. They are hosting it there. You can't get it in Atlanta. Maybe WSB will be putting it on overnight at some point. I don't know. Um, but it's a, a show we're giving away for free to cities around the state of Georgia. All they got to do is be able to connect to the satellite. And frankly, if their satellite can uh, pick up Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, uh, they can get this show because it's on the premier satellite network, um, even though it's not a premier show. And, and that's actually kind of cool, too. It's neat to build a relationship with iHeart in that regard. But, you know, we're, we're our affiliate team. We're our sales team, the ad sales team. It's us. Uh, we don't have anybody selling ads. I'm hoping we can do that at some point. And it's all live reads. The actual commercial breaks are two minutes long. Uh, for that show. It's just, it's cool to do. I'm excited by it. I appreciate very much your prayers and well wishes on doing it. Uh, it's daunting to do five hours of radio a day. I've got wonderful people around me though, and I'm very blessed uh, by the Cox Media Group team as well, uh, giving me good advice and good feedback and, and all that. So thank you very much. We got some good Georgia news we need to talk about. July net revenue is up 3.1%. Uh, the governor's office released this earlier today. The state of Georgia's net tax collections in the first month of fiscal year 2020 totaled $1.83 billion, which is an increase of $55.7 million. In other words, it is 3.1% more than last year, July. So that's really good. Uh, in fact, here's some more data for you. Individual income tax collection is up 8.1% compared to last year. Individual income tax uh, refunds issued uh, decreased. Individual tax withholding payments increased. Of all other individual tax categories, including estimated tax payments, increased. Sales and use tax totaled $1.6 billion in July, which was a 3.6% increase from last July. The corporate income tax uh, decreased. Um, but you got to remember that um, we had changes to the tax code. Uh, the federal tax code, which impacted Georgia. So, but I mean, there you go. Also, the, the motor fuel tax declined 1.2%, but the motor vehicle tax rose 14.7%. So tax revenue coming in good. The governor, of course, taking this as an opportunity to start telling state agencies, 
they need to prepare in case hard times come. We are in the longest period of economic growth in this country in in generations, uh, 10 years without a recession. There's a lot of warning signs on the horizon. A lot of people are pointing out the governor is starting to tell his agencies that they need to start working on this. They need to start figuring out uh, how they can cut, how they can make cuts. Uh, by the way, so the GOP had a big shindig up in Rome this weekend, and they started talking about what they're going to do in the future, and what they keep saying is they're not going to take anything for granted here in the state of Georgia, that they're going to pour $10 million into a program to do door-to-door, to do uh, voter registration. They're going to fight in the suburbs, which is good. That's good to hear. Unfortunately, David Ralston is heading the effort up, uh, so it might get delayed indefinitely. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm, I'm telling you that that's going to become an issue. By the way, I am hearing, you should know, I am hearing from a bunch of people now, a bunch of people, that they expect that this will be Ralston's last term, that he will not uh, seek re-election after, uh, Jan- after the, the next general session. I still think that doesn't help the Republicans because they will have protected him the whole time and opens an issue for the Democrats. But we'll get into that. What I really want to get into when we come back, though, is the governor is taking on Common Core. He had an op-ed in the AJC this weekend. I'll tell you about it when we get back. I came close to deciding y'all were going to have to just listen to this intro for the next 30, 15, 20, 30 minutes while I run up to the street Chick-fil-A and try out the mac and cheese. I had no idea. Uh, if you didn't hear it in the newscast, the first new menu item in forever, mac and cheese as a side. I'm totally checking that out tonight on the way home. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I, I'm debated even opening the phone lines because uh, I really don't want to get into conspiracy theories about Jeffrey Epstein from folks. I don't even want to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, I will tell you that email spam I just got uh, says that Jeffrey Epstein's death, suicide, whatever is a sign of the end times just so you know i want to talk about common core and the governor mentioned this in my morning program today yes the morning program um you can't hear it in atlanta tough so the governor pinned an op-ed in the ajc this weekend about common core and education reform and the education reform that one of the things the governor wants to do in terms of teachers is increase, continue to increase their pay. And one of the ways he wants to pay for it is to have other agencies find efficiencies and scale back. He also thinks that there are some economic challenges coming. And because of the economic challenges, he wants agencies to scale back. He doesn't want to have to raise taxes. Uh, by the way, there will be legislation to uh, give an income tax cut in Georgia. We'll get to that here in a minute. Um, so he wants to do that. He also wants to begin scaling back Common Core, and he set up several committees. He wants to look at the English component, the the math component, um, the other components of Common Core, and how they can best be rolled back. Here's the thing. When the media covers this issue, and, and I don't blame members of the media. I don't blame uh, Greg Bluestein wrote the article in the AJC. I don't blame him or anyone else for looking at what they get from the conversation from the right on Common Core. I have been to meetings 
with conservative activists where the common core issue comes up and the standard talking point is that it's a backdoor for Sharia in the country. I'm not making that up. I have had people with straight, serious faces tell me that Common Core is a backdoor for Sharia, among other things. There are all sorts of grand conspiracies. Now, I do think it is fair to say that Common Core was designed by a lot of people in the Fortune 500 are tied there too. And one of their big concerns about education in this country is a uh, competition issue. As education in this country declines, we become less competitive in the world. They wanted to do something about it. One of the things they hit on was standards and uniformity. Very, very, very much like what the Fortune 500 would suggest, uh, standards and uniformity. So if a kid in California moves to Georgia in the eighth grade, the eighth graders in Georgia are learning the same things uh, curriculum-wise as in, or standard-wise, I should say, as in California. So you, you may not get the the transgendered and, and uh, ethno-political classes that California has in the eighth grade, but you will get, you'll be at the same point in math and the same typical point in the lessons you're learning in English and science and the like. And that makes sense. We are a mobile society, although far less mobile than we used to be. We are a mobile society. Uh, There are a lot of kids who move around because their parents take jobs elsewhere, and it puts those kids behind because their parents move somewhere they come into a new school and they're at a different point in history books they're at a different or i mean they may be taking a state history class and come in on, on another state history and that's fine but you don't want your seventh or eighth or ninth grader going from world history to i don't know american history to or to, to what have you uh, you don't want a kid in the ninth grade going from taking biology in one state to chemistry in another state midway through the year things like that at least that was the thinking And I appreciate that. But the problem has always been, and this is what I think the media doesn't understand because one, uh, a lot of kids may not be going through it. They may not have kids in the house. uh, They may be hearing the fringe arguments about Common Core, not the substantive arguments about Common Core. There is a real substantive argument against Common Core. We've experienced it firsthand in my family. Here are the problems with Common Core, and again, uh, I, I need to buffer this with this statement. Not all Common Core curriculum programs are the same, and I know the everyday math program that my kids used when they were in a school that did Common Core was one that a lot of people hate, but it is also one of the ones uh, that is highly praised within the Common Core community of academics and researchers and stuff. Now, I I will tell you I have a philosophical concern with Common Core, and it's this. I think Common Core teaches kids to be great workers for the Fortune 500, but works very hard at getting rid of the entrepreneurial spirit of kids. Um, Common Core does a very bad job of teaching kids how to be enterprising self-starters. What do I mean by this? Well, let me explain AR. Uh, Many of you who have kids, you're you're familiar with AR. Common Core kicks all this up a notch where essentially you got to continue to read and you take tests on the computer about the books you read. So you you have a bunch of books in your your fourth, fifth, you name the you name the grade. There are age appropriate books. You got to read the age appropriate books. You got to take tests on the age appropriate books, and you got to get as many of those as possible in most schools. The problem with this is what does it do to kids? It incentivizes the kids to read the easy books because they can get through more of them. At the end of the year, a lot of kids get prizes. So you you do this, 
and you you get the easy books, and then your kids have no incentive to read beyond the grade level. So let me compare and contrast my 10-year-old uh, from his Common Core school to now his classical education school that he's in. With the Common Core school, he had to read so many books, and he had to go in, and he had to get tested. And he could go in in the summer if they had summer reading and, and get tested on books as well. And the goal was to read as many books as possible, and so he prioritized smaller books at his grade level because he's an advanced reader, and he could get through those books faster, and he could take more tests, and with taking more tests, he had the chance to, to be rewarded in school. With the new classical education school, he's got to read, I, I said this morning, I, I think it's 20 books, he actually told me it's 40 books. It doesn't, as long as they're grade level or higher. And if you read thicker books, they got to be 100-page books. If you read thicker books or books that are on a higher grade level, you have to read less books. So the classical education program is prioritizing his ability to be an advanced reader and read less books, but books that are more challenging for him to read. So he's picked out a book called Sea of Trolls. A friend of ours who's an educator recommended it for him. He, it is a book that is in, in the Common Core curriculum a grade or two beyond where he is. Uh, but he's an advanced reader. He wants to read it. It's 400 pages. So his teacher is going to give him four credits for reading this book as opposed to one credit because it's a bigger book and it's more challenging. So he's going to get advanced credits. With AR, if he read this 400-page book, he wouldn't get extra credits. He would have to take the test on it, and then he'd still have to read the same number of books in the system he was in. Now, I've had a couple of teachers reach out to me and say, well, you know, some, some schools and some teachers may give you extra AR points, but under the computerized system that so many Common Core schools use, he doesn't. In other words, Common Core incentivizes him to read at his grade level as many small books as possible without ever challenging him. The school he's in now, which is a classical education school where he's got to learn Latin and, and read thick books, prioritizes his ability to read fewer books, but books that are bigger and books that are of a higher grade level. And I would rather him not read as many books, but read books with many more pages that have many bigger words that are more challenging to him. Our daughter, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know we had infinite problems with the math curriculum in Common Core, where they want you to learn a bunch of different ways to do math, and you can't stop when you find one that works. you got to do them all. And it becomes a huge burden. She's now in the classical education school where they do math the way you and I did. And she's now excelling at math. She actually was able to get into the, the smaller honors uh, algebra class because she's doing very well now that she, and she's got a math for mine, but couldn't figure it out in, in Common Core. And what made it so aggravating for us as well is that my wife, who's got a background in computer programming, and her father, who's a Georgia Tech engineer, also had difficulty helping her with math and Common Core. We couldn't help our kids with homework in the Common Core system. And that's my biggest problem, is it separates parents from their ability to help their children. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have, and that keeps so many of them from knowing their numbers, is they have so many systems they got to use. It's just a hodgepodge network of business systems, CMSs, it's just, it's a mess. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business 
and an easy-to-use cloud platform gives you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or your phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insight with a free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash eric. That's netsuite.com slash eric to download your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, netsuite.com slash eric. You want to grow your business, you need to know what's going on with your business. Once you know what's going on with your business, you need to get all the interconnected business management software pieces into one package for greater efficiency. Again, save time, money, and unneeded headaches by going to netsuite.com slash eric. Download your free guide, Seven Key Principles to Grow Your Profits. Hello there. I still have a voice. Five hours of radio today. Not bad. Borch used to do four and a half every day. All right, David, incoming. I want to go to you next tonight. Welcome. Thank you, Eric. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you. All right, uh, I just wanted to add a, a, more, a quicker, more effective, and possibly less politically, you know, less difficult path to getting rid of Common Core. Uh-huh. Instead of having to rely on a senator to squabble with other politicians in the, in a state capital or federal capital somewhere, a more effective means is already in the current law. The local control clause, which mm-hmm. states that when a school board, who, when a school board elects to have take control back from the federal government in terms of standards, they are allowed to. And if people everywhere in the state of Georgia can just apply pressure to their school board to take away Common Core, that would be a lot more effective. It would be a lot quicker. You're right on that. Um, and it, to some degree, though, we have a state school board here that helps set standards for the whole state. And because it helps set standards for the whole state, uh, you just got to fix the school board situation. And so we got a school superintendent, Richard Wood, who wants to roll them back and a governor. Now, I got to tell you, I'm getting emails from teachers saying it's really not that bad. And, and again, though, it depends on which Common Core curriculum you choose. At the same time, I know a lot of teachers and am getting emails from teachers as well saying, yes, it is that bad and they hate it. I uh, don't want to paint with a broad brush here. There are some teachers who really like it and like the consistency of it, like the tracking of it. But man, a lot of teachers hate it too. And I'm getting emails from them as well tonight, but parents really hate it. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Glad to have you with me this evening. I, I, I got a, just a, a brief story here. It was in the um, Atlanta Business Chronicle, and, and this is actually notable. And I've experienced this issue here uh, in the metro area. Metro Atlanta is poised for its largest surge of new hotel projects in at least a decade. More than 100 new hotels are in the pipeline, with a majority of those projects clustered in downtown, along the Georgia 400 corridor, in Cumberland, Galleria, and Gwinnett County. The new hotels include a 975-room Signia Hilton connected to the Georgia World Congress Center, a brand new, a, a dual-branded hotel by Midtown's iconic Fox Theater, and a flurry of boutique hotels in Tony Buckhead. Atlanta now ranks number five across the U.S. for new hotel construction with 130 projects in the works, totaling more than 17,000 rooms, according to a new report. The new projects could help Atlanta remain competitive in landing big-name events like the World Cup game in 2026. 
It also could add hotels in areas without them, including along the Beltline and in West Midtown, and the new hotels could increase competition in the marketplace. Good. I, I've got to tell you, uh, in the last three years, I have experienced more than I have fingers, uh, and I have all 10 of my fingers. I, I have experienced being unable to get a hotel room in the city of Atlanta, and not because there was a major sporting event or a major music concert or anything like that. Just there were so many small and mid-sized business conferences and other events in the city uh, that it was impossible. In fact, um, gosh, when was this? It, it's It's been this year. It was a 2019 thing, and it was winter. It was cold. I wound up staying... Oh, what is the, um, it's the Marriott, the big Marriott up 400. Um, oh, it's, um, oh, what you, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's not Windy Hill. Um, no, it's, it's way up 400. It is, I'm pulling it up on my map now. Um, Anyway, it's up 400, a, a good distance up 400 past North Point Mall up 400. And I had to stay at the Marriott all the way up Windward Parkway. Yes. Thank you, Doug Turnbull, who's texting me. Yes. Uh, I had to stay all the way up there uh, because there were no available hotel rooms. I had a meeting up in Alpharetta. I wanted to find somewhere in that area, and there were there were no hotels in in downtown, Midtown, Buckhead, Roswell. It, it was crazy. Last year, uh, I got the last room at the DoubleTree there by the Taco Mac right across the street from Perimeter Mall, and I'll never forget. <laughs> I guess uh, last year, this was, in fact, I can tell you when this was, this was two weeks before Christmas last year. So 2019 or 2018, two weeks before Christmas, I had a very late meeting in Atlanta, had to go out to dinner. Uh, there were drinks involved. I did not want to drive home. I, I, I really, I was, I was fine to drive, uh, not suggesting I was buzzed or drunk or anything like that. Uh, but I didn't want to, cause I knew I was going to be tired and I didn't get out of the dinner until midnight. So I called my wife. I said, you know what? Don't go on, set the alarm. Uh, I'm not going to come home. And I didn't even think I'm not going to be able to get a hotel room. I actually, I don't know what was going on. Maybe it was holiday travel, but it was two weeks before Christmas. I literally couldn't find a hotel room nearer than where I lived and actually had to drive past my house, like three exits past my house on the interstate and stayed at a Holiday Inn. I mean, all the way from middle Georgia to north Georgia, Carrollton, uh, over to Madison, there were no hotel rooms. Completely gone. I have no idea what was happening. And I've, I've been saying, if you're a regular to this program, I've said for several years now, we were going to run into problems. So this, this bears it out for me. Atlanta has maxed out hotel capacity. Uh, you go up 400 all the time now. If I've got meetings up there, I scramble to get hotel rooms if i got to stay overnight because it is impossible. There are so many people coming into this area for business meetings, business conferences, sporting events, music concerts, and you can't get hotel rooms anymore. Um, it, interestingly enough, on the weekends, it's easier to get a hotel room. It's during the week that you have a really hard time because so many people come in for midweek conferences and business trips. Now, 
random, random story. Didn't know I was going to talk about that one, did you? No, I, so I, I just got a text from, from a buddy of mine say, saying he thinks it's nonsense that I had to drive way past Macon. Uh, I shouldn't say way past Macon, like three exits past my house on the north end of Bibb County to be able to go tell room. I, I am telling you guys the truth. Two weeks before Christmas last year, uh, I was, what was the dinner? So I was at McKendrick's. McKendrick's is at Perimeter Mall. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it's at Perimeter Mall. It's across from Perimeter Mall. By the way, if you've never been to McKendrick's, you should go to McKendrick's. It is my favorite steakhouse. I realize Bones is fan. Bones is fantastic. No disrespect to Bones. I just love McKendrick's. The only downside is they've changed their creme brulee, which is very upsetting. They put Grand Marnie. I hate orange-flavored stuff. And their old one with the white chocolate was just fantastic. Anyway, it's a brilliant steakhouse. Absolutely brilliant. Um, love McKendrick's. It's where my wife and I ate on our honeymoon. I've been going there for years. But I was there at a dinner. And I could not, there's a giant crown plaza by there, no hotel rooms. There's the Double Tree, no hotel rooms. La Meridian is there, no hotel rooms. Nowhere around that area. You work your way down 400, go to the Buckhead area, nothing. And I'm, I'm listen, I'm not just looking at like the Ritz and the Weston and, and the Grand Hyatt and stuff. I'm talking the, the Holiday Inn Express, booked. The Hilton, booked. The Hilton Garden Inn, booked. They were all, I don't know what was going on. And normally in those situations, you can go down to the airport and there's always some little airport hotel that's available. Now, I'm not staying in the Roach Motel where I'm going to get gutted in the middle of the night by heroin addicts. You should know that. So so the, the little cheapy motel with the balconies and you got to walk. No, not staying there. I want a hotel or motel where you actually have to enter the building through one of two exits and entrances and actually go from an interior hallway to your room. I don't want the balcony. No, sorry. I've seen the horror movies, but nonetheless, you get my point. I mean, the Holiday Inn Express was filled. The Hampton Inn was filled. The Hilton Garden Inn was filled all at the airport too. Maximum capacity. And that was a big tip-off to me that we really have problems in the metro area. And this isn't just a Fulton County thing. If you're in Gwinnett, if you're in Cobb, if you're in Forsyth County, we're starting to max out uh, with the ability of tourists and stuff. It's just, it's it's crazy to me that this happens, and yet it does. And I'm not alone. When I mentioned this the last time on air, uh, I had a bunch of phone calls from people who are similarly situated. So it's good to see. It's also a sign that the Atlanta economy continues to grow and that the business fronts in Atlanta uh, continue to grow. So not a bad not a bad thing for us to see this growth in the metro area. Up 400, and I'll tell you, headed up towards Woodstock as well, uh, on 575, you're going to start seeing this construction up there as well because that area is exploding. Y'all, I could move to Woodstock. Uh, I think downtown Woodstock may be my favorite downtown in Georgia. It is fantastic. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm a big fan, but I don't think I could ever get my wife to move. Although, if she discovered the windy roads in the backwoods of Cherokee County, she'd probably want to take her motorcycle up there. and Maybe we could move. But Woodstock, that place is going to explode. It's such a great place. This is actually really cool. Uh, Ebola is now curable. That's actually... Amazing. Now, we know we had the, the people who came back to the states who were housed at the CDC for a while, uh, but they've been developing experimental treatments now for, for some time. They've been testing them now with a huge outbreak in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and they have identified what is essentially now a cure for Ebola. A fascinating advance in science today. <laughs> 